May the grace, mercy, and peace of God our Heavenly Father be with each of us this morning and forever. You know, as Dad said uh, just in the prayer here, it's even this kind of cold, miserable days can be depressing, I think, for a lot of us, and, and it's miserable for the cows and animals that have to be outside, and and that, but I guess there is always things to be thankful for, that it's been such a dry summer, and and we are getting some moisture, and it is soaking into the ground a little bit, and uh, hopefully look forward to some warmer weather here in a week or so. Those are, of course, some of the most basic things of life, the things around us, but uh, we can also, of course, always be thankful for the peace we have, the freedom we have in this country that a lot of people don't have in the world today. I was just uh, listening to some testimony of some people in <coughs> Venezuela there this morning. They have, of course, a, a tyrannical government who is oppressing the people, killing people for various reasons. People protest against anything, they'll just kill you. And uh, said three quarters of the children are under the age of five or malnourished in uh, Venezuela today. Um, these are a lot tougher things than we have to deal with. And there's a lot of people, probably the majority of people in the world have have things similar to that. Um, billions of people in India. India's been uh, suffering a severe drought too, and millions of people are, are literally hungry, starving to death over there. And uh, so we do have much to be thankful for. I don't think any of us here have have missed any meals or or anything like that. So it's a, it's a tremendous blessing that we've God has still given us so much. I'm going to continue on in uh, in the book of Acts here, reading the start of the ninth chapter, Acts chapter nine. And just to give a little bit of uh, background to, to where we're at here, we've been going through Acts sporadically when I've been speaking here. and uh, So it's mostly talking about the people who were in the city of Jerusalem, the, the Christians there who were, who were uh, just before this time, they had, had been living in a, in a communal lifestyle. They were all uh, sharing houses, sharing everything they had, the food, and and there was rich people that gave what they had, and the poor people, they all were together, and everybody had enough, and they had a, had a, a short time of, of great fellowship there. They were, they all uh, were, many of them were, were very new in the faith, and in their in their knowledge of Jesus, and they had a great hunger for for learning about Jesus and what He had done for them. 
and uh, and so they had a, had a time of, of fellowship and strengthening and uh, and then we see that uh, the persecution came upon these people too they had had a time of relative peace and and then uh, severe persecution came upon them and they were scattered and one of the main the main characters in this persecution was a man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who uh, was a Jew and he was also a Roman. He was highly educated, extremely ambitious, very talented, and and uh, a lot of people were were following him. A lot of people were supporting him, and he was he was the one who, when this man Stephen, who was who is looked at a lot of times as the first Christian martyr. Stephen was stoned to death by a mob of of uh, Jews, and it tells us that this man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, was the one who was standing there giving assent to this stoning. Saul was the one they these people were exerting themselves so much they they had to take their coats off and. And uh, in killing Stephen, they took their coats off, laid them at the feet of Saul. And Saul was standing there giving assent and consent to this this killing of, of this Stephen, who was a, a faithful Christian man. And there was many other things that he did. And it says in the 8th verse, it says, As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering into every house, hailing men and women, committing them to prison. This is the sort of thing Saul was doing. The Christians had been, uh, at this point, they were scattered. Most of the Christians had left had left the city of Jerusalem, but there was a lot of them were still in the general area. A lot of these people were from from the area around Jerusalem, and so most of them had gone back to their hometowns, where they came from, or new people. They'd left. The persecution had become so severe in in the city of Jerusalem that that most of the Christians had already left, other than the the main apostles. So we'll start here on the beginning of chapter nine. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. 
And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of one Judas, and in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples that were at Damascus, and straightway he preached preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength, and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him, how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them, going in, coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Which when the brethren knew, they brought him to Caesarea, and sent him forth to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. Amen. We see some few instances throughout history where there are people like this Saul who you might say they're a high profile person. And we don't know when Saul had 
heard Jesus, no doubt he had heard Jesus preach himself, and how it was that that, that, that message was working on his heart. We know that human nature, being what it is, so often we fight against things that we know are true, and and it can be extremely frustrating for our human nature to have to admit that something is true when it's something that we may have spoken against. We say you have to eat our words. It's uh, it's not a it's not a fun place to be. And our human nature will sometimes go to any length to to uh, to cover things up and to, and to just fight all the harder in our human strength. But we can see how how in in Saul's case we can we can try to fight against God, but we really can't be successful. We would uh, often wish that it would be easier than this, but but this same type of a scenario has played out over and over throughout history in, in big and small ways. We see that that God or Jesus appeared to 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 Saul performed what we'd call a miracle, this light that it says that was a light from heaven. In another place, Paul himself says that it was above the brightness of the sun. The word of God is many, many times is likened to a light. It says it's a lamp to our feet, light to our path. It says that... uh, our human nature, it's a, talking of men, it says men love darkness rather than light. Our human nature doesn't like light. We don't like to to have truth. We don't like to uh, have everything to be open and visible as it, as it is. But Jesus is such and God is such that that they are light. They... they uh, our, it says Christ is the light of the world. The Christian, Christians are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hid. If, if we're uh, the light of the world, you can't hide it. And this is this is what happened in a in a way to to this Saul of Tarsus. He was uh, had a band of probably probably armed men with him that. Were following him. He was leading them to to go and take some people captive and throw them in jail. Maybe maybe kill some people. And uh, all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to him. Jesus spoke to him. And it appears that Saul had been awakened already, because when this light shone on him. It, it doesn't sound like he had any question as to as to who it was. He says, "Who who art thou, Lord?" But uh, he, I think he, he he had a pretty good idea. But he he needed some verification, and the Lord it says, "The Lord says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest." 
it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I think uh, Jesus had to tell him, I am Jesus. And Saul knew who Jesus was. Saul knew, I think, already that Jesus was true. And it's like to kick against a prick. It would be like a cactus or something that... But uh, to fight against it, we know that it's 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 going to hurt. But uh, maybe more commonly, some of us, even myself, I've probably kicked a tractor or something because it's frustrating me. And you know that it's a stupid thing to do, but and it's just going to hurt you more than anything else. But but our human nature is such that we that's the way we are. We will sometimes do things that, that we know are, are not going to work out very good for us. And that's what Saul was doing here. He was fighting against this Jesus who he knew to be true, and and uh, Jesus had to had to really step in and, and uh, put him in order. And, th- and this is what it takes. Different people are humbled in different ways. You see, even, even with my own kids, every kid is different. Every person is different. Some people need just a, a patient, encouraging, with uh, gentle words. And, and other people are, are more like Saul, very hard-headed, and, and they need to, let's say, a kick in the seat of the pants or a, or a, very severe threatening and and uh, and God knows what each of us what each of us is like and some and Saul obviously he needed he needed a very a severe reprimand here but this is what it took and it did humble Saul we see that that Saul he went from this bold threatening presence to this uh, this man who was laying on the ground blind trem- says he was trembling and astonished he was afraid and wondering what can I do here Jesus says go go to go carry on go into Damascus says that he was he was blind he couldn't see anything so these men that were with him took him by the hand and they led him into Damascus and he was three days without sight. Neither did he eat or drink. I, I think he was in such a state that that uh, they would call it fasting, not eating or drinking. That he was in such a, a state of of prayer and seeking that God would help him. That that uh, he didn't take any food and. And he didn't know quite how this was going to work out for him. He knew that he was guilty. He knew that he he really deserved death, even by by every standard, by God's standard, by the laws of the land. He had been killing people, um, even even in the Roman under the Roman government. There, that was illegal for them to to put anyone to death. And uh, so, Paul, he would have been. Just in this house, praying, hum, you know, humbly praying for 
for some some help and and wondering what his end is going to be. You know, was he going to be one of these beggars just sitting on the side of the street? That's what happened in those days. Somebody could have turned him in, he could have been put to death, or he might have been a blind beggar just sitting by the road, hoping somebody would give him something so that he could eat. We see how here how God had orchestrated it on both sides. God went to Saul and said, "There's going this man. He showed him a vision that there's a man named Ananias that's going to come and put his hands on you. You're going to receive your sight again." And then the Lord also showed Himself to Ananias, and. Uh, And uh, told Ananias that this is what he was supposed to do. Ananias argued a little bit that surely you don't know who this man is. It would be like if one of us was called to go talk to to uh, Vladimir Putin or somebody like that, who's a who's a well-known somebody who's a well-known man and and. Uh, Osama bin Laden, he's dead now, I guess, but somebody like that who's been fighting against truth, fighting against Christians. There are people like that today. I don't, I can't think of any of them offhand, but we know in places like Syria, there's Christians who are, it's not a lot different than this in uh, Syria, China, some places today, there are, there are people who, whose job is to seek out Christians, put them in prison, put them to death. That's going on today. It hasn't changed. And, uh, there are those people just like, just like, like this Saul of Tarsus. They have authority from some government to, to persecute Christians, put them to death. And it would be a fearful thing for for uh, one, for any of us to be in Ananias' place and say, go talk to this guy. Ananias says, I've heard much of, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints. He has authority to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. We see that every once in a while God does need uh, one of these high-profile people to become a Christian. Saul was one. We see people like Martin Luther who had some similarities in his in his uh, in his life where where he. I believe was riding through a, a terrible lightning storm, and he was mortally afraid that he was he was going to be struck dead. He knew that he didn't have his his uh, life and his soul was not in order, and wasn't sure exactly how to get things in order. But but uh, we see also the apostle Paul. This Saul became the Apostle Paul. He and and Martin Luther and other men too 
throughout history have been called to to go to the highest levels of government and in in some cases it's required somebody that has the has the education and the the uh, has already got the 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 various things in their life that allow them to talk to the people on these high levels and they and and often they're they're called to suffer much too we see that that uh, that Saul here Jesus says that he's going to show, show Saul how, how great a things he must suffer for Jesus name And Saul was willing to do that. He Saul gladly, gladly was willing. He knew how guilty he was, and it's like a bit like like Jesus says, "Who will love most? Who has been forgiven most?" And uh, Saul knew how much he had been forgiven. So he, Ananias went, <coughs> entered into the house, putting his hands on Saul, said, "Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus." that appeared to thee in the way as thou came, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he was re- received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. This, uh, like I've mentioned before about laying on of hands is uh, my background, Apostolic Lutheran teaching. It's It's been uh, the custom to forgive sins in the name of Jesus Christ to any who find themselves to need that. And to, to lay the hand, to lay hands on those who are seeking forgiveness, and and there's quite a few examples in the Bible of where that that is is biblical and necessary. Even naturally, it's 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 a comfort to to have the t- human touch, and and here we see that. In this case, and in other places, we see that through the laying of, on of hands, that's the time when people were given the Holy Ghost and they were given power to to no longer be afraid. Oftentimes, people we don't know when they first heard about Jesus and how it, I could say how the seed was planted in their heart and and how long it sometimes can take a long time for it to grow in a person to the point where it becomes uh, just an inescapable truth. And that's with, with Saul too. It, we don't know how long that was in progress in him, in his heart. But he came to this point of what we would call an awakening where he realized his sinfulness. He confessed his faith in Jesus. He knew that Jesus could save him and uh, that he needed a savior and uh, in these cases for the 
for the comfort of the person and for their strengthening. I think it's 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 God will send somebody to to encourage that person to to to, to speak the words, to lay the hands on them, and and to tell them about Jesus, to encourage them. To, to believe and that and that salvation is is for them and and for each of us even here today that's that's the message that once we've believed in Jesus the Bible always tells us to to tell people with confidence to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ there's a lot of churches that they they put it as a question or as a choice or as a kind of take it or leave it. You can believe and do this or not, or you can. It's a choice you got to make, and 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 that sort of thing. That's not how the Bible ever portrays it. The Bible always says that we're to speak confidently. Jesus always said straightforward: believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And that's and that's how we are to do it too. Ananias says to Saul, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus, that appeared to thee in the way has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul his his physical sight immediately was immediately was uh, restored and he arose he was baptized he was a he hadn't been baptized apparently the bible tells us jesus himself has told us that if you believe that we should be baptized and and that's what we see happen to Saul here Saul was certain days with the disciples. I'm sure they they had a lot of discussing to do. The fellowship. It would have been an amazing thing that this man had made such a reversal. And for the Paul himself, I'm sure he was he was out of the loop with. There was probably a lot of things that he didn't understand about Christ and and what was going on. But they stayed a few days, had fellowship there. And then Saul went, he went forward as, uh, using the same, the same gifts that he had. He, God had given him gifts. God had given him a forceful personality and, and, uh, a sharp mind, all these things. All these things that he had used to fight against Jesus. Now Saul, by the power of God, was able to use to do God's work. It says he increased the more in strength. He confounded the Jews, so he started to to uh, confront the people who he had been leading. And he was pro- proving to them that this was the very Christ. He he proved to all the people that 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 he met he was he was willing to to talk to them and and convince them that Jesus was the Christ that he was also God 
we see that immediately the, the tables turned on, on Saul too, naturally. The Jews, of course, they, they had been out to kill the Christians already, and as soon as Saul became a Christian, they started to take counsel how to kill him too. This is the way of the world. We, uh, whether it's in the name of a church, we see many churches, unfortunately, even some that are, are called, called Christian, who fight against Christ himself. And uh, just as these Jews did, they, they, they proclaimed to be followers of God, but, but that's not how God has worked. God, God generally doesn't work that way, and especially Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus never worked that way. Jesus didn't seek to kill anyone. See, Saul went to Jerusalem. He was going to join himself to the other disciples, but everybody was afraid of him. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. All the things they'd heard about him, which were all true, they probably thought he was, at best, maybe a spy who was going to try and get inside and then and then really cause trouble. And uh, these people had good reason to be afraid of, of, of Saul. Saul, he, he kept boldly telling everybody what had happened to him, how he had been saved, how he had seen the Lord in the way Jesus had spoken to him, how he had preached Jesus in Damascus. You see that he also disputed with the Grecians. That was another another group of people that were in in the city, Jerusalem there. They were very much what we would call the secular people nowadays. The uh, the Grecians prided themselves in in logic and education, and uh, they spent a lot of their time studying philosophy and and uh, that sort of thing. The parallel nowadays would probably be the university type of, type of a group. There's a lot of a lot of the educated people in our society, the modern day liberals who who are very anti Christian, very very much using every every intellectual argument and to fight against Christianity, even in Canada and the US and and uh we see that at the extreme end of that, if that doesn't work, they are also willing to, to try to kill people. And so nothing has changed. So Saul, it says, he, then he went out to Caesarea and went down to Tarsus. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. Sometimes we wonder why God allows allows some of these tyrants as it was saying about Venezuela. Um, recently I was 
listen to a book about Nazi Germany and the ascent of, of Adolf Hitler, who was uh, an, another tyrant, and and uh, why does God allow these men? And I, I believe it's it's only because the people have have turned away from God so much that that God allows these kind of people to come in. We could see it here too. There's there's nothing that uh, says that that Canada and the U.S. and and these Western Europe or any of these places are immune to this. Uh, it can happen in a very short time if you look at history. Matter of a very short time, uh, a tyrant can take power, and especially as the population turns away from Christ and have. Uh, they, they end up. They end up without a foundation, really, and they are easily swayed by intimidation and these sorts of things. And we see other times. Sometimes after, in this case, uh, the Saul of Tarsus, he was the tyrant, and and God saw fit to take that man, Saul out of that position. And we see that after that, then the, the churches did have a bit of rest. The, sometimes when a, a group of, of uh, tyrants loses their leader, they, they become scattered and, and are no longer able to persecute. And uh, we thank God that that can happen too. But uh, in this case... That, that is what happened. Saul was, he was taken out of that leadership position and the Jews, they didn't have, they, I guess they weren't able to persecute the church quite as, as much after that. It says, then did the churches rest throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were multiplied. We also see that with human nature is that being what it is, a lot of times we need to we need to suffer, we need to see hard times to really appreciate the good times and, and I think that's probably what happened in this case. After that severe persecution the believers probably would have been very bold to tell everybody they met. You know, once the persecution left let up they would have been Telling everybody they met about Jesus, and and that was all part of God's plan, and and it's still still today that God still uses the same the same things, the same hard things, whether it's on an individual level. You know, some of us have, have different times had health troubles or whatever, and I think a lot of times we need we might need health troubles to appreciate having health. We might need a little bit of persecution to appreciate freedom. And uh, and I think uh, even in I've said many times, like with Raiden when she had back trouble and was stuck in a wheelchair, it uh, I think it helped us to to appreciate, have a little more compassion for those who whose health isn't so good. That uh, a lot of times there isn't much we can do about it. We, you do the best you can, and you pray, and and. Uh, a customer out by Delburn had a farm there and I did some work for him off and on. He had been a, a manager in a 
I believe it was a big meat packing plant, and he had, you know, had a good job, had a lot of men under him, and, and he was a boss, and he was used to being in control of everything, and then he ended up with, uh, yeah, multiple sclerosis, and uh, so when I knew him, I talked to him a bit, and he was very humble, and he, he said, you know, he's really had to, had to take stock of what things are important because he had had the money and he had had the power over men and and uh, respect and all these things but then you get something like multiple sclerosis comes into your life or cancer or whatever it might be and all of a sudden all those things start looking pretty pale and, and they can just disappear overnight and that's where I think the hard things do come like I guess even a day like today, it's a little miserable out there, but pray that in a week or so we'll maybe we'll really appreciate it if the sun comes out and it gets warm. And on a on a Christian on a more serious Christian level, I guess I, I don't know what the thing is that we need most, but I know there is a, a tremendous apathy towards Christianity in our whole society. Canada and the U.S., it's very unfortunate that God has given us all the gifts. He's given us money. He's given us uh, freedom. He's given us all these things. And I'll speak for myself, but I think I can speak for our whole country that we haven't used the things that he's given us. And I think we should we should remember that and pray that, that God would give us humility, help us to realize the need that's out there in the world. There are people who are crying for a savior. There are people who are physically destitute, millions and billions of people in the world who can't even dream of the the lifestyle we live. That uh, every one of us here, we live better than kings have ever lived in the history of the world. And uh, I pray that God could somehow humble us and Help us to use whatever way you can. Help us to use the gifts that he's given us to tell people about Jesus. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and give us everlasting peace in the name of Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.